liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to a special episode of Liberty Lockdown. Today I have on my brother from another mother, Roberto El Fuerte, Robbie LaFire. What's going on, man? I like that buildup. Ready to wrestle. <laughs> I, I heard Dave on Rogan yesterday, and he was like, he's like, you know, people don't like the, the radio voice. They, they want you to just be real. And I was like, fuck, it's direct shot at me from Dave. I felt Rogan. like that was it. That was like a direct shot at me too. I, if you listen to Run Your Mouth, that's what I do. So I know, God, I know. It's everyone's everyone's got their own style. Why does Dave got to hate on for <laughs> hating on my style and shouting out every other person he's ever met? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's how I felt too. I was like, "Damn, Dave, come on!" I, I think people like the intro. I, I keep it real once the in- interview starts, but the the intro, you know, you got to have a little flair. I got this voice for it. You know, got to use there it. There you go. No, Dave, that was a killer, Rogan. Just spreading some good info. My God, man, he's an absolute savage. I I was so thrilled. He, he does Megan Kelly and Rogan in the same week, and I haven't heard the Megan Kelly interview yet, but he crushed Rogan. I'm so I'm so spoiled because I listen to you guys so regularly that like even when he kills it, I'm just like I'm not impressed. This is what this guy does. <laughs> yeah, well, I think what's cool about that Rogan is that uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, you get to kind of root like, oh yes, he got that point across. You right. know, so you almost get to be like, yes, other people are hearing this. And then if you haven't listened to part of the problem over the last year, it's almost like a best of tracks where he's kind of like mixing yep. up some of like the best talking points for the last couple months. So it's cool. It's fun to listen to. But it's got to be it's got to be really neat, too, when you get to hear ideas that you've brought to the to the fore on the show that end up you know, being heard by 11 million people. It's like the the uh, the network effect of this entire little ecosystem is pretty wild man we, we no, i don't think outsize reach i don't think he actually takes that much for me because i'm listening like i can't think of one time during the rogan we're like he took my idea so <laughs> but <laughs> he i brings, molded he, it in some way <laughs> yeah he's he's brought up a few of my tweets in the past on, on different shows and stuff like that i'm like i'm having an influence i can see it i'm having some somewhat of an influence um anyways man i know we we have both done deep dives on the the trucker convoy over the past two days um, I had Reed Coverdale on to talk about his opinion of the potential for a trucker strike in America. And then I had a uh, a block leader in Ottawa on last night that I'm telling you was the most heart-wrenching, beautiful interview I have ever done. These people are so based, man. Um, so what, what's your what's your take? What is on a block cover? leader? He his job is one of the many streets in Ottawa. He keeps it locked down, but he he sits there so that uh, they don't break any laws. So he his job is basically to be like a surrogate cop. He sits there and makes sure that if there's an emergency situation, anybody that needs through can get through, uh, and that there's not any cars that are in the infrastructure lane. Basically, what they're doing is because they criminalized uh, blocking off infrastructure, the truckers have gone out of their way now to make sure that every road in Ottawa is both shut down but also open for infrastructure uh so like firefighters emts things like that it's an amazing uh that's pretty cool that's good yeah. of them that's awesome oh, it's, it's um it, 
it's shocking to me. I feel like any one of those truckers could put me out of a potential job getting a broadcasting gig. It seems like they've gone to some sort of like an Alex Jones articulate <laughs> school where they all got these raspy voices. They all are like are politicians with their talking points. They're like, we're just here fighting for freedom. And I'm like, how is every single person that they put throw a camera in front of better at this than I am? So <laughs> I'm pretty impressed with these truckers all around. Dude, I had the exact same thought. When I woke up this morning after that that live stream, I was like, Son of a bitch, he's gonna take my job. <laughs> <laughs> These Canadians are ticking their germs. And uh, then uh it's incredible. also funny because they can't um they can't they really can't spin the story because Canadians, that stereotype of them being nice couldn't be more true. We're like every single time they go to any like you, you want to envision like a white trash American trucker, and that's just not who these people are. Not that I'm saying every trucker in America is white trash. I'm just saying if you had your cartoon vision of like it, it, like the truckers that you see in like those movies when the badasses show up to the bar and then they get their ass kicked by like a John Reacher type character. You know what I mean? Like that's the way like those type of people are portrayed. Cut sleeves, dirty, haven't showered, really big, and then they just get headbutt and fall over. That's like kind <laughs> of the cartoon version of these people. But these right. Canadian truckers are not that. And it's also... I mean, the level of lying that Trudeau tried with the, hey, this is a fringe movement. It's like that was as much of a lie as saying, hey, if you go outside, there's not going to be any oxygen. Stay indoors. Like it does not take a lot of camera footage to see this is widespread. There's widespread support. And uh, I respect that the truckers, I I almost think we're going to look back on this like, this was a big moment. It really seems like this was a big moment in the fight for freedom that these people just said, Nope, we we're done with this. You either give us our freedom back or we're sitting here. And, uh, at the moment, at least it looks like they're winning. I, I couldn't agree more, man. I I'm telling you, I came away after that live stream thinking to myself, like, this is the biggest thing, most beautiful thing for Liberty in my lifetime. Like I'm serious that what they are doing, the, the stand they are taking their willingness to jeopardize everything. This trucker last night was like, I will be here forever. He's like, I will be, I will be here until we get our rights back or Trudeau steps down and there is no compromise to be had. And he seems, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt their resolve, man. Like I I think the only way that this changes is if they bring in the military and they arrest all these people. And they're, according to him last weekend, there was over 2 million people involved in this convoy. So, I don't think they have the prison capacity to deal with all these people. It's also if they can't if they can't manage to actually shut down all funding, I would think that donations would be widespread enough that they could actually afford good lawyers. Um, I don't know if you ever read the book. Charles Murray had a really good book. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but he had this idea in there called the Madison, the Madison Fund which uh, sadly he didn't actually put into action. He just kind of put the idea out there. But it was an interesting idea that essentially if you created an insurance fund for legal fees so that everyone could actually battle the EPA, because essentially what the government does is they're a bully. They just bully like one person and you can't really afford to go up against them. So everyone just kind of acts in a very scared fashion because if they decide to pick you and pull you into court, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So his idea was like if we had mass scale funding against the government to basically tie them down in court, the government itself could not afford to actually legislate all these things. I I wonder if the same thing would happen in Canada is if like if there was actually a good lawyer for every single one of these truckers, like think about how long unless they just go full 
dictatorship Guantanamo Bay style where there is no legal system there or which they've already done a good job at of cutting off funding, which is creepy as all hell that they managed to tell private companies, hey, you can't distribute these charitable donations, uh, which is really wild. And and like that might be the level of like uh, non-freedom that we live in. Like it's almost hard, I think, for us to wrap our heads around. Like I, I talk about this on Run Your Mouth a little bit where sometimes you get like glimpses of the matrix where you realize just how not free we are because yeah. like your mentality is to think like there's a level of freedom i'm not being totally lied to i'm not living within this like illusion of like there's just a power structure above me but every once in mm -hmm. a while i get like these little glimpses where like oh maybe it's way worse than i even realize and that's one of those moments is like when it, they can even just strip funds that were supposed to be donated i couldn't agree more man when i mean the and the the way that they can do it from both sides where they can use both the mob and pressure, you know, from the, the woke mob, but then they can also use the justice system. And then they can also use just an executive fiat order, you know, where they're like, yep, yeah, no, we're not doing that. And then sure. You may have some sort of constitutional hearing three to six months or maybe a year down the road that says, Oh, that was illegal. Well, in the meantime, it breaks up whatever they're trying to break up. Right. And, and it takes four years to get to that illegal point. And by the way, this yeah. is foreshadowing. This is why everyone needs to be like at the highest level of opposition, whatever like in your brain is like level of outrage against any sort of government digital currency, because that's how much easier it is for them to shut off your funds. Like you think like the current structure, like, I, I mean, at the end of the day today, I guess we could be showing up with briefcases full of cash somehow to get those truckers money. You go with the, with the credit system, all of a sudden they could just literally go into every trucker's wallet and just go, Nope, now you don't have money. Yep. Now you're exactly right. And I, that was the other thing I did earlier this week, and I know you've been on top of it too, which the ESG, the environmental social governance, I'm telling you, man, this, that is the, the mechanism by which social credit scores, as well as uh, CBDCs get rolled out. In my opinion, like this, the, the entire, it, I feel like ESG was the skeleton key for every question I had over the past five years where I was like, how is this happening? How are they getting wokeism into corporate America? How are they getting it into the stock market? This thing that's trillions and trillions of dollars. Why? Why would these companies be doing it? And then all of a sudden, I know. I know how it's happening. You get a handful of people at the highest echelons of power that demand some arbitrary level of wokeness for you to get capital. And it's a done deal. And all of a sudden, all of the worst ideas that come out of Marxist hellscape collegiate kids is now at the top of, of Fortune 500 companies all across the planet. Is this is this not like, uh, am I overstating how big of a deal this is? Um, so this kind of falls back into what I was saying with the uh, glimpses of like the Matrix. Right. Uh, so I was talking about it in regards to uh, Emily Raskin and her uh, being appointed to, to, I don't know if you follow that story at all. We can get into that in a second, a but bit. we can, we can stay on the ESG thing. So like you think we're in like this freedom racket. And so the ESG thing, I can't comprehend the entire picture, but like you, I can just see the frameworks of like a power structure that doesn't allow us to have any version of freedom. And so just to kind of explain it, it's um, in competitive markets, you have to actually create goods that have value. That's the only way that you make money. Let's just right. simplify it. You have to create a good, right, that has value to people. Uh, the more government steps into a market and just creates money, 
when you're not actually giving someone a good or service or something that creates value, right? The more profits exist just by being on the side of like government and the less value you need to provide to the marketplace. You know, so what's taking place with the ESG scores is they've just created a new way where you don't have to create products, compete in the market and provide value. You just have to be on the side of government. And as long as you're on the side of government, you're going to be able to be profitable. So that robs all of us. That robs all of us either on. And what I'm saying is like, I can't articulate the full picture. It's like the the glimpses of like, I can see that there's some sort of a evil structure here that's like just stealing from us. And it's not just freedom. It's also like technological developments. It's your ability to go earn a living. It's like just the ability to be able to turn on your heat and have it not cost you an obscene amount of money. Um, and it goes all the way down to the funding that is for exists for traditional media, the way advertising dollars are being spent. Like there's just more money in being aligned with government and whatever the Fed wants to do, wherever the Fed's going to hand money to. And so that all kind of ties into this ESG picture of BlackRock being tied in with the Fed and starting to implement socialism on a scale that we never would agreed with. It's compliance for uh, things like um, emission standards, how much you're pushing green energy, how much you're hiring minorities. It's like all this stuff that never could have gotten through government. We wouldn't have voted for those politicians. Or even if they got voted in like your AOC got voted in, it wasn't being voted in on like a widespread basis. Now that's where all the capital is. It's a way of like defunding uh, other things. I feel like I've ranted quite a bit, but the, the answer is no. I agree with you. It's um, it, 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 it at its core, it's just not, it's like a, a new level of going away from the free markets where you have to actually compete and offer goods and services. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a new way of basically all the big banks colluding with each other to go, no, it's not going to be about com competitive or providing value. It's going to be more about that you're like, it's how do we create a fair and even playing field for us all not to be involved in profitable investments? Well, we force everybody to engage in non, well, what's the flip side of that? The flip side of that is your energy cost. Every time you go to fill up your car, you're going to be robbed of a little bit more of your wealth to so that the big banks can have more money. Like, or, or whatever, like it, it starts getting tricky, like in the exact ways that they're stealing from you. But at its core, it's non-competitive protectionist practices for the world's largest corporations. I, you said you, you only see a, a, you know, a glimpse of this picture, brother. I think you get it. Uh, <laughs> you know, from my, from my vantage point, it is it is a basically a, a totalitarian kind of a communist uh, structure with a fascistic mechanism for implementation, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It, I mean, I'm telling you, this is the most powerful thing that that has happened, and it's happened right under our noses, and no one talks about it until like all of a sudden over the past 60 days, it seems like all of us kind of caught up, you know, like we're all kind of <laughs> well, scrambling by the way, and figuring you know, out. Here's going to be the most annoying part about it. And I promise you, no one's ever talked about this. This is the first time you didn't even realize that this existed. So get ready to have your dick blown off. You ready for this? Yeah, all I'm right. Ready. So there was a world where when you worked in an office, we all know the HR people, they're a particular personality. They're not cool. That's the best way to define it. It's like taking the tattletale from uh, preschool and then giving them a position to like formally be the tattle to tail and then monitor that people aren't being cool. Like that right. everyone's got to behave in a certain way now. All right. Obviously there's times in an office where, you know, people actually sexual assault or whatever the fuck else, like, which 
I'll take that out of the being cool category. But then there's other times where you're just joking around with your friends. Maybe you're using foul language. And then the HR person is going to be the hallway model. Oh, this is an office place. You can't. All right, fine. Now you also understand that there's even within offices, like your compliance people, like in financial offices, that's also a different personality. Now, what happens when we have a job for your ESG officer that takes your most annoying woke college kid and all of a sudden there's money and a job for that person for him to work at a corporation just to make sure that they're uh, being green enough that they're recycling. Like you're literally creating a structure by which the person who can never like your hippie fucking asshole who never could have made a dollar and was just an annoying cunt now has a lucrative job and that that's like the in-demand thing that they teach at schools because and, and and like everything that you saw as being a racket just in terms of general compliance and the way that that would, uh, you know, limit competition and basically for if you're a big business and you can increase compliance costs, you make it harder for people to step into the market and compete with you. So like we all know how annoying it is to keep records for our own taxes. Now, what happens when you got to start keeping records of your own ESG compliance? Like you have to like for like how annoying first of all, recycling doesn't even do anything, right? Like I from from what I understand, once they have to move all those plastics around, it's not even any better than just fucking throwing your trash out. But what happens if like the ESG goes so far as like there's something on your phone that's tracking your personal carbon emissions, and it's not just that you have to self-report. And if you get caught for not self-reporting, it's like your taxes, you're in trouble. Like we're opening ourselves up to a new world. Like if you thought carbon credits were annoying and was gonna make uh uh, that fat cheesecake eating Al Gore a lot of money while he pretended like he was saving the world, right? Just imagine once you open up this entire new profitable market of ESG scores where certain companies and individuals get to regulate and you're going to have to self-report. We're opening ourselves up to an entire new world of regulation uh, that is firstly going to make everybody poorer, make all the goods that you need more expensive. It's going to get in the way of economic development it's going to help the wealthy and it's all going to be under the guise of, well, we're here protecting the earth. We're just trying to make sure. And it can, by the way, and it can go so far as you make fun of somebody. And so like that is uh, getting in the way of, uh, of minorities being able to move up in the world. You, like, and who gets to define that? And then if all of a sudden you're tied in with a carbon, like a, like a money system, your wallet could be turned off because you made fun of someone in a way that someone else reported and a social function that was uh, uh, infringing on the freedom of minorities. Or I'll just say the last thing. I know I talk too much when Dave's not here to make me shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, like, look at the way Trudeau has tried to handle the situation in Canada where he goes, this is dangerous and these are racist. That's the only card that they have, right? It's always for your benefit. It's for the safety of people. And it's because racist ain't like why would we give more power to those people? That's what ESG is. It's like yep. giving more like they're lying to you. It's always, that's what the fed did. Hey, there's elasticity here and we got to make sure the money that no, you're just there for the big banks so that they can launder and counterfeit more money with uh, the endless backing of the American taxpayers. So this is just like the next level in a not free world and a not free market. Yeah. yeah you nailed it, man. And uh, what I think people need to understand too, is that it's a it's a mechanism for wealth extraction for the worst people on earth. Like the people you don't want to have control over you, it is now giving them the capacity to uh, like extract money out of the system at their will whenever they say so based off of nothing. Like they can just say, "Well, global warming." So now we get to take out 
all of the taxes from all of these people that are political dissidents that won't go along with the game that we've described. Like, that's it. They don't have to, because they control the media apparatus, they can justify the oppression of anybody. And as of late, that has been conservatives, straight white men, Christians, things like that. But they can shift that. Like, the people that think that this is, like, on their side are fucking so delusional. Like, they could turn this on the left. They could do whatever they want. This this entire mechanism can be utilized once it's implemented. They can use it in any way that they see fit, and it just has to be ended. So this is where I wanted to get into the, the critical you know, I, problem. I, 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 I want oh, to say ahead. one thing to you, and you had mentioned it earlier, but it's such a major chess piece on the board is that when they're wrong and they engage in illegal, like an illegal overstep, there's yes. no penalty for that. And yeah. so, like you said, it's like it, you might take three or four years to find out that they did. Well, what, what about when some guy loses his truck and then he wasn't able to work for four years and now he's 100 pounds heavier than he was, you know, previously. And he's not the same guy because you already ruined his life. Like you, right. you don't, you don't get to undo that. And like, it, it, you know, it's interesting. Like you look at the opioid epidemic, right. And it's like, now that's kind of being undone or I would venture to guess we're going to see a similar thing happen with the vaccines where five years from now we kind of have a better, because here's what's going to end up happening, which is unless they manage to manipulate this data, it might start coming out in actuary tables. I've even already seen articles online of like actuaries saying like the life insurance math is going to have to change and yeah. something's different and it's the vaccines. Now I don't want to overstep. I have not done my research here, but that's sure. where you're going to start seeing like if, if all of a sudden as technology is better and 10 years from now, people are dying at higher rates. You're going to have to look at those charts and go, well, what was different? Uh, there's more pollution because we're burning all these fossil fuels. Sure. Maybe you can, maybe you'll be able to spin that story it's because white of supremacy, Robbie, come on, right. White supremacy. <laughs> I, you might be able to see on actuary tables at some juncture in time that there's higher rates of certain, and I'm not even saying that this will happen. I'm just saying that eventually the story will come out. If there is widespread harm because of the vaccines, if that's a big, if I'm not saying that there is, I'm not right. saying that there will be, I'm saying that that story will unfold on actuary tables. That's where we'll finally be like, be able to see it. Um, I would, at least I would think. And then at that point you might see something similar to like the open, but it's like, well, how do we get back our time of everyone that lost their job or who was right? Like in this moment that you don't, you don't undo it. If anything, the corporations, they rename, they pay some corporate fines it's a bribe to governments that they don't have to admit fault. It just empowers the government. It's like, you know what I mean? It's so that, that to me, it's such a huge chess piece is that there isn't, you don't really get in trouble for when you overstep. Nope. And, and you don't really get in trouble when you're wrong, criminally wrong. And you also don't get adequate credit when you are right, when everyone else is wrong, uh, which all of us have been. And, and it's just, it's very frustrating. Basically, my opinion is that this is a, a, a structure that cannot be sustained. Like if you don't lift up correct opinions, especially during times of crisis and trust them moving forward and basically relegate the people were, who were severely wrong for two years to the dustbin of history, well, then you're, you're living in a dying civilization. I mean, no one should be listening to Dr. Leanna Wynn or Fauci or any of these people after how criminally incorrect they were. And that's as nice as I can be about it. I think they were intentionally lying, but that's a totally separate debate. We don't even have to get into 
even if you just believe the that they tried to do their best and that they were telling their own version of the truth the entire time which i think is a fucking leap of faith <laughs> to say to put it mildly even then you can't trust these people moving forward and these people shouldn't be in positions of power and they should all be fired from their jobs how do you expect civilization to function and improve and flourish when you have morons at the helm of power i don't understand it and and this is why I think ESG is the skeleton key that answers this question. Because if you have funding that will only go towards uh, basically the, the approved narrative from the highest levels of power, well then, it doesn't matter if you're wrong. Because they can just fund the incorrect people and they can rip funding and blacklist and censor anybody that was correct and essentially this forces us we have no choice but to create our own secondary uh mechanism for getting information to the people and and our own ecosystem i i really think that this kind of like put the nail in the coffin of can we actually find a way to coexist and i think the answer is no what do you think um that's uh i think you're on to something i i yeah. well I, I, it's we're tough kinda... man I, I and i didn't want this by the way <laughs> Uh, we're kind of saying the same thing with the uh, once you create this world where there's uh, money and not creating value, so you don't have to create value. And you're kind of bringing right. that to the world of information where there's actually more money in being wrong because then you're on the side of whatever they're trying. To, so in other words, like if you're a doctor and they're trying to sell global warming and now there's you get more money and funding for saying that the heat is the worst thing for your health and it's so hot, you can't even go to the beach. Everyone's got to stay indoors. The beach is going to be bad for your health. That could be terrible information. Not far from what happened with COVID when they were telling kids not to go to the, the, the and Dr. Ron Paul was the only one who was like, no, fresh air and vitamin D is actually going to help you. Turns out he was right. So we're not that far away from kind of similar claims with global warming where they want to sell it to the point where it's like, don't even go out there. It's too high. And you're like, well, the temperature hasn't changed. Hey, that's fake news. We've got doctors <laughs> telling you that the sun is bad for your health now because it, well, it's not any hotter. No, 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 it is because it's more dangerous. The UV rays are worth. Well, the technology is better in sunscreen. Hey, you got to listen to the scientists and we're going to arrest you if we see you out on the beach, right? So that's what you're saying is that like, yes, they, there will be funding in bad information. And you're right, right where it's like... Uh, I guess without the apparatus of uh, money, status, and government, how do we come, how do we like have a, like even take uh, uh, Kennedy. Have you read his book, The Real Anthony Fauci? Oh God, I, I just got the audio book and I just started it. So no, I have not yet. So I listened to, I'm going to say about 75% of the audio book. It's incredibly dense. Um, and if I can sum it down to uh, two really big claims. I can save you a lot of time here. The okay. biggest and boldest claim, uh, which was already made by Malone on Rogan, is that essentially if um, it, they had used uh, like the therapeutics, we probably could have prevented about 90% or 85% of all COVID deaths, which is like your hydroxychloroquine. Like in other words, if we were trying to treat people before they got to the hospital with like uh, with these therapeutics, we could have saved most of the deaths and that for uh profit incentives with the big corporations, you know, Fauci got on the way with that. Now he'll give you all the details of everything he shut down and how they manipulated the data. But just to give you the short, yeah, uh, that, and that then, 
Right. And then there's a world of, hey, here's all the terrible way, all the terrible things that Fauci has done throughout his career where he's clearly manipulated data and he doesn't care about human life. And then he gets really far into the specifics. Speaking to your point, I don't know how we can live in a world like I almost would love it. I would love it if there was some sort of a fair and honest court that we could all agree was fair and honest. Kennedy went into that court and Fauci went into that court and one person has to die. Like Kennedy gets to put up his information. And if he's right, I don't know. He gets Fauci's wealth and he gets to live. If Fauci's right, can't because both those people can't be right. The information right. in Kennedy's book can't be like, you know what I mean? One of those people is wrong. And whichever person is wrong, honestly, they shouldn't exist in society. You should not be able to <laughs> like, I'm a big fan of freedom of information, but it's like, you can't write a book that that's, that's that dense and just incorrect. Like, I right. don't know, there needs to be some sort of, and like, to speaking to your point, how do we live in a world where you make that determination? And if we can't, if we're going to live in like an institution, like if, if you're right, if we live in a fully socialist society where every single mainstream doctor can't be trusted, where like, I know if I go to my doctor, he might just hand me some medication because it's making someone else a profit or he's got, like, so then how do we determine who the good doctors are? How do we create a secondary network of people that like you and I would like, how do we have a secondary internet with a rod and tomatoes type system for doctors that I can know, okay, well, here's the good non dot. Cause you're right. The entire, the, the systems that we have in place are kind of, if people are wealthy, that's a signal for the fact that maybe like they know something. Like if you go to a doctor's office and it's actually put together people's degrees and then government accreditations, the fact that people have licenses. So if we remove that entire apparatus, uh, how do we create some new apparatus, a secondary system where people can actually start going like, oh, yeah, here, here's a good like. And I, I don't know how you do that. That's a fascinating question. Man, it is it is such a big problem. I really think it's the biggest problem we face. And I, obviously, this has been an issue for all of human history, but it just seems as if there was a a more functioning way in which society lifted up people that were correct. And I think that because you have such a powerful government, it's just kind of impossible. Like the government is just so damn big that they are capable of making truth unprofitable. <laughs> like, the, which historically, truth is very profitable. Like, especially if you know the truth before other people, that gives you a competitive advantage. That gives you a leg up. That gives you an opportunity to invest and shift and move your business or whatever in a way that allows you to profit from the truth becoming known to more people. That's the whole idea of front running inside information in the stock market, you know? Right. And, and now we're to the point where like, if you are wrong, you know, say that they, you get an inside track on the data about the, uh, the jabs being not as efficacious as they're alleged to have been early on. And then you still invest in this company because you know that it, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's like the truth doesn't, it's not profitable anymore. Like it, it just isn't. And it's, it's really bad for civilization. And I know that sounds like a really grand uh, claim, but it's just a fact, man. Like if you, if you live in a, in a world where that's the case, where people like Ron Paul aren't elevated to positions of authority and power and given a a place where they can actually speak to the people when they have warned you time and time again and been correct time and time again, well, then you're doomed. I mean, this is this is just not a civilization that can, can be sustained. And at some point, you have to say to yourself, 
It doesn't deserve to be sustained. Unfortunately, we live in the motherfucker, and I don't really want to go down with this Titanic. So, yeah, I think I, I really do believe, though, like we're going we are now at the point where reconciliation and the capacity to reform the system as it exists today. And I just mean broadly, as in like the stock market system, ESG, the government, like I just think that we're going to have to go our own separate ways. And, and again, I just want to emphasize, I had no interest in going down this path. I really thought that coming back together and coalescing as a nation and, and as a people around the truth was a possibility. I no longer think that's the case and it breaks my heart. But I think at some point I'm the crazy one if I keep trying to put to put back together Humpty Dumpty. So I know I like that black market for truth. Yeah, right. It's good I mean, for a podcast. <laughs> good, good point. Yeah, I mean that's where we're at. That that's what we are. Is we are the black market for truth. We're constantly trying to dance or dance around the censorship and just basically keep our head above water while they continue to you know, waterboard us. It's not fun. It doesn't feel good. I constantly have to self-censor. I've done it during this show. I literally do it during every single episode of every show I do and every show I've been on, unless it's exclusively on, you know, Odyssey or something like that. It's just, it's just not a fucking sustainable way to live. I, man. That's such a, I might even try and develop that into a joke, but the, like, what does the world look like when truth isn't profitable? Yeah. You could, I'm telling you, you can, you could paint a really absurd picture with it because we I, live in it. I've been thinking about that though. Cause I'm not, uh, I'm not big on investing because I, well, I think the market's just a big old scam. And I think for the most part, it's nearly impossible to actually make evaluations. And then I the amount agree. of, the amount of homework that you have to do, like it's a real, it just, it's too, like, I can look at companies that like on paper, I think are interesting and would have more like growth potential would have more of a market in the future. But then I don't know how it's being evaluated today or why something's at 20 times earnings or right. like, you know what I mean? There's just too many fucking variables. But now, like sometimes I do think if I look at, for example, the COVID stuff and how many people got it wrong versus me being able to look at the exact same information and get it right, where you're like, well, how do I like, how do I gamble on that? That's essentially stock picking. That right. most people thought one thing, you looked at it, thought something else, and if you were right in the long term, you can make a shit ton of money. Uh, yeah, not so really, I, though. You mean well because of all the other the the, yeah, the manipulation they, where they control you, the mechanisms of, of right. all the capital deployment. So it's like even though we were right, we couldn't front run the news. We should have been able to fucking make millions off of these right. assholes. Uh, like, sure, at some point, maybe there'll be retribution and and lawsuits and criminal filings against the the uh, well, CEOs just, of Pfizer or whatever but it's just not going to do anything right to, to make it like succinct and clear hey this is Isaac Morehouse here the CEO of crash.co if you're listening to liberty lockdown congratulations you're fucking awake that's good <laughs> i love it that also means you're the type of person that cares about autonomy and freedom and freedom is not just a abstract philosophical concept it's not just some political theory Freedom is how you actually live and engage with the world on a day-to-day -day basis. When the rubber meets the road, are you freer today than you were yesterday? Now, there's a lot of stuff that's outside of your control. There's a lot of aspects of freedom you can't control. But one that you can control is your career. Your career, if you're on the job hunt actively, or if you're just looking for how to parlay your skills into more opportunities to be an entrepreneur, to work for a, a great startup, whatever it might be, Go to crash.co, sign up for free to the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. You get 
absolutely awesome information and inspiration in your inbox every day and a bunch of free member benefits. You get access to career guides, a custom video pitch builder to showcase your skills, and a lot more. Go to Crash.co, check it out, sign up for free, and keep listening to Liberty Lockdown. So if you and I had our perspective and just said, oh, well, the Pfizer product's not going to be good. Like, like, let's say you were a smart scientist and you actually got the trial data, read through and just said, oh, this isn't a good product. In a perfect world, you would just short that product because you, oh, look at all, like, look at the evaluation off of this thing that everyone's saying is good. And I know it's not good. I'm going to make money here. And I would say, don't bet your house on that one. Because everything that you and I are taught, well, there's a government uh, monopoly machine, right, on news and information that might force this into people's arms. And then because they forced it into people's arms, they might never allow the company to have to suffer the consequences of it because it would showcase that it's wrong. So the socialism that we're describing, maybe they funnel money to Pfizer forever to cover themselves up, which by the way, I've said this about the... uh, um, about kind of the big banks, um, that essentially the big, like even take BlackRock, BlackRock has a enormous amount of pension funds that it's, um, that whose money they're investing, right. That's, that's part of how they have $10 trillion under management is because of all the pension fund money. Um, we're hostages of the banks because like the banks are the first signal of failure in the system. And so if the banks fail, then all of a sudden at like all of the retail investors, everyone pension funds, all of our houses, it all goes under. So it's a hostage situation where the banks always need to be bailed out. And like they continue to profit from kind of manipulating the system because if we don't give the banks what they want, well, then guess what? The rest of us are all fucked. And yeah. and they created the system that way. Uh, also, speaking of um, what you were saying, because this is so fascinating, and I was talking about it in regards to Spotify because uh, there was a zero hedge article about this one guy in New York who I think runs one of the pension funds for the city. And it wasn't it wasn't big enough to make a dent. I'm going to say it was like a $200 million investment, send a letter to Spotify. But then when you start to realize it, like it's not about that one guy, it's about if every pension fund were to call up Spotify and say, hey, you got to make a change, change here, we're divesting. That is worth so much more money to the stock's evaluation. If that many people are going to sell it, than possibly keeping Rogan on. It's yep. another example of it's not about servicing the market. There's more profits in these pension funds uh, censoring this one person because maybe it's a conflict of interest where they also have investments in Pfizer, or maybe they just get a call from a senator or someone else in power just basically being like, hey, you're going to have to do this for me. And they make more money from being aligned with that person then their Spotify investment. So yeah, they call up Spotify and they go, you got to get rid of Rogan because Rogan's too powerful. That's like people, I don't think people quite, and that's what I mean by like glimpse of the matrix is I also don't quite have my head wrapped around it, but it's like, you don't realize how much more money in it there is and how much more money there is to be made by just being on the right side of power. Like, because you and I, we think of it's well, no, Rogan's got this giant market. He's giving value to the, in a way that no one else can. And so he makes more money because more people like his show than it. And it's like, yeah, you would think that that's worthwhile, but in this other system where they need to protect their investments and they need to protect things that aren't creating value to make sure that they can remain profitable. They don't want someone like signaling that they're wrong. And so Correct. there's actually more money, like there's way more money in shutting that down so that 
people can continue to think they're right about everything else. And so you got to start to like, so like how many different ways are they shutting down things that people would enjoy? Right. Which is value. Just something that you would enjoy. Like, like thinking in simple, simple terms, there's a hamburger down hamburger shop down the street that makes delicious hamburgers. They're actually nutritious. And then there's another one down the street that literally serves you fucking garbage, but the garbage one is in with the government. And so they can't have the other place serving you hamburgers for the same price because no one's going to buy their garbage burgers. So they change the law. They say that the that that guy was a racist. They shut down his shop, and now you got to go buy garbage burgers. Well, now we're all losing out because we can't just buy the good hamburgers, right? Well, it's and, they're, even... and they're called they're called Beyond Meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. And by the way, that's a, you're not. By the way, you're really you're not far off where they go. Oh, no one can eat this thing that we've been eating meat and surviving on and being healthy with for you know. I, I don't know, however fucking long humans have been around for, if you believe in the Bible or don't, or however long we've been fucking eating meat for, but you're 100% right. So they go, well, they were farting too much and ruining the environment. So we're going with beets and processed shit instead. You're right. That, and that, that's the best example where all of a sudden, instead of eating steak, you got to spend more money on some beet thing that probably gives you fucking cancer and doesn't taste good <laughs> and makes your shits come out square. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams, I think is his name uh, of, of New York. He, he came out a couple days ago, said, you know, I, I got to get people to eat a plant based centered lifestyle. Like, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why, why is the mayor of maybe the most, the biggest city on earth coming out and talking about what we eat? And I know this is like, this is what de Blasio did too. This is what they do now. This is like, even the guys that are supposedly the reformers, when you have someone who goes too far, they still want to dictate what goes in your body. These people are fucking psychotic. Like, this is just not a world I want to live in. I don't want to be around people that think that they have the control over what I consume, what I do with my own personal body. Like this was, I thought a leftist principle. You leave us the fuck alone when it comes to what we do with our body. And now they are the, the, you know, the front line of demanding what we consume, what we can't consume. It's just like, all of you people have lost your minds. You have lost the plot. I can't be around you anymore. This is why I moved to Florida. And honestly, even in Miami, half the people rock masks. Even when Rochelle Walensky comes out, the director of the CDC or whatever her title is, and comes and says, yeah, you know, two years. We tortured your kids. There was no reason for it. RB, actually not RB. We're not even going to say that. We're not going to apologize. We're just going to move on. And no one in the mainstream news is going to talk about it. And then you're going to have the one big platform that actually tells the truth when shit changes, which is the Joe Rogan experience. And we're going to try and deplatform him because you're right. There is more money in hiding our lies than there is in the truth. And that that is a such a damning conclusion to come to. But I don't know how we avoid that conclusion. It seems so self-evident after living in this ecosystem with you and Dave and all these other people that have been on the front lines trying to figure things out, trying to think critically for two years straight now while everybody else is fucking just marching to complete insanity. Uh, that's where we're at, man. This and, is where uh, we're at. And just to clarify, because, you know, I take credit in the fact that, you know, I'm well-researched and I never get anything wrong. Um, but the Spotify thing was a theoretical. I'm, I'm just saying, like, kind of... The way that money, uh, the big money distorts, I'm not, uh, that hasn't happened yet. 
And I also don't know the levels by which Penn, like it put it this way. It could be very direct. Like if BlackRock was a majority shareholder in Spotify, you could theoretically just seeing that happen tomorrow and it would be a very clear picture. Hey, I don't know. I, ha I have the answer. Do you know? Okay. Like check this out. So, uh, it's God, I, I've broke this down twice over the past 48 hours and now I'm blanking on the names, but regardless, uh, it's not BlackRock, but Blackstone was the original funding source of BlackRock. Blackstone recently invested $1 billion into a, a music streaming company. I forget the name of it right now, but they are creating a direct competitor to Spotify to put pressure on them to do their bidding because otherwise they don't have enough uh, you know, pressure that they can bring to bear. And guess who was one of the first artists that they uh, they bought the the music rights Neil to? Young. That's great, Neil, Neil Young. Great. Swear, I swear to God. And this and this was in like I think either the New York Post or some New York Times, some big article in November of 2021. This is not like a hidden thing. This is not a conspiracy theory. Sure, I'm connecting some dots here, but it's like, boom, Neil Young gets this. A month later, he comes out says, "Pull my." pull my music from Spotify or else blah, blah, blah. And, and it starts this whole snowball effect. And then they have enough control over the media where they can get them to run with this narrative too. And the media has their own incentives to want to de-platform him because he is eating their lunch. He is every time he does a three hour, try to tell the truth exercise, which is basically what the Joe Rogan experience is. It shows how fucking awful they are. So they want this guy gone too. But the thing is, Ultimately, they can't beat us, man. Like, this is the thing. The only reason that they maintain their power is because of the Fed window. That is it. If we get rid of fiat currency, if we get rid of the Federal Reserve, they can't fucking touch us. Like, they can't fuck with us at all. And I know that sounds like I'm being a little, little over the top with this, but I mean it. They are idiots. They're liars. No one trusts them. You know, we have all the reason in the world to fucking beat them down and the only reason that we haven't done it yet is because of the federal reserve tell me i'm wrong no no, no you're 100 right and i actually uh for the fed is so interesting because i've read a lot of I, i've read ron paul's and the fed i read the creature from jekyll island i've probably read other scattered books on the fed and it's like the story is so incredible sometimes i'm like eh, do i even have this right like in my own head like i'm not always 100 confident in it and um there's different levels to, I mean, just if you've never heard about the Fed, I, I'm sure you're not, you're not new to this, but if you've never, to just put in the most simple terms, they have the uh, monopoly on being able to counterfeit money. No one else in the world can just create money out of nowhere and then go hand it to someone, right? No one else can do that. And you would think, well, if they kept doing that, you know, if people keep showing up to the bank, they want their money and it's not there, they're going to go under. Well, the Fed allows them all to do it in tandem. And for them to never have any problems. But now there was another level to this that I never quite wrap my head around and it fits in with the ESG. It's really interesting. Um, and I just got this from a book. I, I don't remember the book, but um, it's that common concept is other people's money. It's great when you can spend other people's money, right? So when you're the bank and because you're the one place, like you're the only, like how many banks do you even have in your town? There's probably a chase. There's probably one or two local banks that you don't use. Maybe there's a Wells Fargo. If that's the, it's not like there's that many of them. And the reason why there aren't that many of them is because you can't just get a license and open up a bank. Right. Right. And okay, fine. But now that they have everybody's money in it. Right. And it's, it's our money. It's not their money. 
but they still get to dictate where loans go to. So most of their power is coming from their, basically their control over other people's money goes back to BlackRock with the ESG scores. They're not leveraging their own money. They're leveraging all the pension funds. Well, how did they end up with all the pension fund money? Well, you're probably going to look through a legacy of um, Wall Street and just kind of like power that's kind of granted to them. Like, Look at it this way. If you're going to go give your money to someone, you're probably going to give it to the company that's more likely to get bailed out, right? So like, you, like you, you're almost, if you're a pension fund, you probably want to work with AIG and Goldman Sachs over like Lehman or whoever the yeah. third or fourth person down that list is, <laughs> is probably the most risky, not because they're doing worse investments, but because they're a little bit less likely to get bailed out. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a, there's a feedback loop of the credibility of these institutions, which is the result of their relationship with the fed. And as they amass more money, right? They have more control over the economy because it's not their money, but they do get to control. Hey, when I'm spending the trillion dollars from a pension fund, am I putting it into windmills or am I sending a tax on mobile? And then there's an even bigger level to it where they go, all right, well, I want to put it into windmills, but how do I make sure that no one else is putting it into tax on mobile? Oh, well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to create this ESG scores that people are going to have to self-regulate so that if you're going against my investment to make what I'm doing on prop, like you're not gonna be able to do that. And in this case, they went even fucking further than that, where they just took over the board of Exxon Mobil to go, <laughs> hey, listen, you're gonna play ball because we're we're they took them over. I mean, that's fucking just crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, there there are rare moments on my show where I get chills where someone nails it so specifically. Uh, you're you nailed it, man. That's exactly what's happening. It also, is how- a- it's a How feedback fucking, loop yeah. of corruption. That's yeah. it's a feedback loop of corruption and power and and just the the worst aspects of everything coming coming together in this horrific menagerie. <laughs> like it's just it's just so bad. But this that's what it is. And and like you could have say you're like a, you've worked and you've saved and you've invested and you've become one of the top five uh, money managers on earth. And you come up with an idea that is counter to the other the, the top four that are in front of you, and you go against them. Say you you bet against the housing bubble in 2004 because you're looking around saying, this is crazy. This can't be sustained. And then the other guys go, yeah, but we're bigger. We're going to get bailed out. So we're going to just fucking work against this guy, and we'll we'll make sure that our board is a little bit more diverse, and we'll get bailed out while these other hard charging high achieving uh guys with merit <laughs> eventually go bankrupt because you know, we know that we have access to the fed window and you know what's amazing is that um at least at that time the people that shorted like they managed or at least i i'm kind of taking this from the movie the big short i don't know all the specific individuals that but there were some winners there were some people uh michael burber what's that guy's name the one who keeps saying that bitcoin's a scam uh he was one of the big winners in uh, in the big short. He was like he was played by uh, Christian Bale in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he all right. Well, what's that guy's name? And I, I can't remember. I'm sorry. All right. Anyways, in that environment, um, which was pre quantitative easing and kind of uh, the Fed bailing out the banks on that high of a level, like maybe, maybe there were bailouts before, but like that was kind of I think new territory. So you were at least you were still able to win, and that things went under, and then they corrected for it. But we might be in a new environment now where it's like, even if you were getting that right, they are able to get ahead of it like and go, oh, we've got a problem here. Oh, well, the Fed's just going to buy everyone's mortgage uh, and they're going to put a halt on uh, on any evictions. 
Like, so you, like, in other words, those assets don't default and then you never get to be right. You just get wiped off the board, even though you were right. Brother, so this is, this is why I closed my mortgage company. This is why I have ran for the hills and decided to stop reinvesting my capital. I, I had over a hundred million dollars that were deployed into the real estate market through, uh, through my, my clients. And, and I was just like, I can't evaluate risk. Like, I know this is all a, a joke, a game, a sham. And I can't possibly in good conscience continue to deploy capital. People think I'm bullshit when I say that. It's 100% the truth. Like, I could have kept my business open. I was I worked from home. I closed it because I cannot evaluate risk in this environment. And ultimately, they have the mechanism to print infinite money. So they can just continue to keep this game going until inflation ultimately spikes and makes it so that the people rise up to bring this to a screeching halt. But that that timeline is not something that I can I can estimate on. You know, like it, that's that's basically a uh, it's a tipping point moment. Those things happen very infrequently. And when they happen, it the, is cataclysmic and it's going to happen. But I can't bet on the timing of that. I don't know. Yeah. The inflation picture is also uh, tough because it, it's tough to evaluate. Um I mean, I'm I'm sure smarter economists would just tell me why I'm 100% wrong on this, but there is some aspect of um, technological development that prices otherwise would have come down. So, like for example, if Amazon did not exist to serve the market, get cheap goods from China, and deliver it right to your door, imagine what prices would look like. Well, let's read yeah. this. You guys got to check out the video. Introduce Half Brother spills a few. What's a W A F? World Economic Forum beans on my channel. He's just plugging one of his shows. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. That sounded interesting. That was a good plug, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I get I get easily distracted. What the fuck was I talking about? Uh, I don't know. Federal Reserve something. <laughs> See.
Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feppin'. A typo and Luke might bring them nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm a shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running out, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with a fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot, must be air July Screaming in the mic a rip of 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus is scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe